there's so much talk about different shows and, oh, are you going to be unique enough? Or are people just going to say, oh, you're just another interview show? And I was like, well, if I never have a podcast, nobody can tell me my show sucks and nobody can say I'm copying them. And I was like, and then I just decided I didn't care if people thought I was a copycat. And um, and, uh, yeah, so I just got over that and I'm like, I'm just going to do it. Welcome back to Podcast Junkies, a.k.a. The Podcaster's Voice, a.k.a. the show where we search out interesting voices in podcasting and get them to kick back their heels and talk about their shows and whatever else is on their mind. This week, we speak to Jessica Rhodes. She's the host of Rhodes to Success. It's the podcast extension of her business, which is Interview Connections. Jessica's been making a name for herself in the interview connection space. She helps facilitate guests being on shows and vice versa. And it's something that she worked her way into when she was trying to figure out uh, what type of business to, to make for herself. She got some guidance from her father, who's actually a successful business coach. So we, we talk about uh, the influence he had on her when she was growing up. And uh, we talk about how the business is going, some challenges she's having with it. But I, I think uh, we also get to just have a social conversation, which, which is funny because you'll see that, again, that this goes over one hour. And you'll find that Jessica's someone who's really passionate about human connection. And I think uh, that comes through uh, in our conversation and in the way she describes the interactions uh, that she gets the most value out of. Um, she has an interesting background that she talks about. She actually, uh, dabbled a bit in theater and majored in communication. Um, but she's really, really found her sweet spot, I think with, with, uh, interview connections and she's, she's really, really personable. And I, I think, um, we just had a, a, a fantastic discussion. We, we actually got back into, uh, t- TV shows again, if you'll remember a couple of episodes ago. We geeked out a bit on Game of Thrones. This time it was it was on uh, Breaking Bad, which is an, another fantastic show. So um, I hope you enjoy this conversation and you get a little bit more insight um, about Jessica. And uh, you, you'll get to see what a, a fantastic uh, personality she has. And you'll understand why this went over uh, an hour. Um, but I hope you enjoy it. Um, I certainly did. And uh, stay tuned for... Uh, couple of updates on the show after the interview thanks so jessica rhodes thanks for joining me on podcast junkies hey harry thanks for having me this is uh this is an honor i feel like i'm a member of the podcast club now that i'm on your show <laughs> yeah it's, it's funny i i probably and, and I, I think you can relate to this as well uh, i think at this point since i started in april of 2014 feel like i should have like a ton more people on the show but I think it's just uh, it speaks to me being a little bit more picky about the the people that I have on because I want to have some sort of connection with people and I and I want to have had at least some interaction with them prior to them jumping on because I feel that makes for just a, a more natural conversation. Yeah, I actually totally agree with you. I'm the same way with my show. Like the couple of times that I've had people on my podcast that pitched me or you know somebody um introduce them to me and I'm like, yeah, they look good. It's just harder when the first time you talk to them is on a recorded podcast. Like you didn't have like the the ice hasn't been broken. I just have such an easier time being conversational and like having fun with the guest if I 
have some type of existing relationship, even if it's just that we Facebook chatted and we're like, oh, yeah, we should totally do an interview together. This would be a lot of fun. But yeah, I'm I'm the same way. And then I always say that and I'm like, wow, I'm a hypocrite because that's what I do in my business. I pitch people <laughs> and get them on podcasts. But, it, you know, I think it's also like if you do have people on your show that you've never met before, just take the time before the scheduled recording and talk to them and like figure out, you know, what interests you about them. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I had interviews of people that uh, have reached out to me and although we haven't met in person, um, I've either listened to several of their shows. So I can sort of, you can, you can sort of tell like how a host is on their, because how the, how they treat their guests on their show, what their sense of humor is like, you know, what they do and don't like to talk about. And it sort of gives you some sort of precedence for having a feel of how they'll be on your own show. Oh, yeah. I like I said, I listened to um, your interview with Corey (laughs) this morning, and I probably should not have been playing that with my son around. (laughs) Yeah, but it was a great uh, interview. And it yeah, and it was because it, it, you know, it allowed me to figure out like, um, you know, what your style was. I'm like, gosh, I feel like I should have a glass of wine and dim the lights while I talk to you. (laughs) Yeah, that's interesting. I've always want I, I've heard some podcasts where they do like like a happy hour thing and everyone's got a drink in front of them. And I imagine those can't go that long because at some point, you know, the one drink becomes the two and the three. And you're probably uh, affecting the quality of the, the podcast at that point. Yeah, it, I, I mean, unfortunately, even if I wanted to, I couldn't have a drink right now because as Corey so eloquently noted, I'm producing another human at the moment. But... <laughs> If I ever do record a podcast, like after six o'clock at night, I usually do have a glass of red wine with me. Nothing that's going to make me go, you know, like be inappropriate after a half hour or 45 minutes. But it does kind of, I don't know, kind of relaxes you and and just makes for a better conversation. It's horrible. I'm like, drink alcohol and you'll be a better podcaster. (laughs) Well, I think it just speaks to uh, lowering inhibitions and having people not be overly concerned. Because I I think sometimes, you know, just speaking as podcasters, we tend to get into our head, be in our head too much. And we start to think about, you know, how is the interview going? Is my guest having a good time? Am I do I have the proper amount of questions lined up? Am I going to run out of questions? You know, what what am I going to ask next? Is there going to be some awkward silence? And you start thinking about all those things and nothing like a glass of wine to kind of like get that stuff off the table. I know it's so much like dating. If you just have some drinks with you, it's so much easier. Yeah, at least for the ice breaking part. And yeah. then, because a lot of times, and we, you know, this probably speaks to um, relationships in general and in, and in, in podcast guests and interacting with hosts. And, and there's this whole dynamic of people meeting each other for the first time um, on these podcasts. And you can hear it when the there's no interaction and there and there's no relationship um and no connection between the guest and the host and it just sounds awkward it sounds stilted and you probably don't tend to listen to those podcasts or those episodes for very long yeah i think it's i mean there's also skill involved too because i mean you know we all know a lot of um guests that can get on an interview and not sound awkward even though they've never met the person like i was talking with um I think it was Katie Kremitzos when I was on her show Biz Women Rock and and she was 
you know, talking about how I have like, I post both personal stuff and business stuff to Facebook there. She's like, what's your strategy? It's very well balanced. I'm like, I don't have a strategy. Like I just honestly post whatever the heck I want when I want. <laughs> like if I, yeah. if my son's being cute, I'll post a picture. If I have a podcast that's live, I just post the link to the podcast. And I think a lot of people are like, when they're on a podcast or when they're in business mode, they get into that mode and they feel like they can't be themselves or they can't joke around and, and, you know, just kind of be personable. And I think that you even if you've never met the person, if you know how to just be yourself and not worry about like, oh, I'm in business mode right now, I'm going to talk about whatever I talk about on a podcast, like just be open. Like Corey was a perfect example. He was probably more open than I would have wanted him to be on your show. <laughs> What's funny is that he has that um, that great relationship with you that you guys have built up over the past, you know, the past year yeah. um, because of the work you did on the podcast producers. And I, I think that he feels comfortable <laughs> talking about you, knowing that you, you probably won't get offended because you've probably heard stuff coming out like uh, from his mouth. Oh, like that yeah. Before. Yeah. He's he's great. And like when we were recording our conversations for the um, for the show, it's like we would just say. Yeah, you just say whatever comes to your mind. And if you have no filter, I mean, you might say stuff you don't want to say, but turn like that's probably where the good stuff comes out is when you're just talking and you're not worried about like, oh, am I saying this right? Or am I sounding right? Or am I saying what I need to say? Just like open dialogue and open conversations is, I mean, because that's what I mean, that's what I like about podcasts. Like, I really like long form interviews. Like your shows are, you know, I was noticing like they're all at least an hour long. Yeah, And I mean, what I learned from Corey when we were doing the podcast producers is he's like, the best stuff comes after 15 minutes. And, and then whenever I was interviewing someone, I'm like, okay, it hasn't like, it's only been 10 minutes with you and I, Harry, the best stuff is yet to come. <laughs> yeah, it's exciting, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, people really do warm up. So I think that's why like, if you've never interviewed, you know, if you've, if you're on a podcast with someone and you haven't met them yet, it's like, go longer than 30 minutes. Like, spend some time just getting to know them and then have them back a second time so you can keep that relationship building. Yeah, and I think it's something that you touched upon earlier. You want to be the same person in your show that you are in real life. You know, you don't want to have the, you don't want to have to want to figure out which voice do I have to turn on now. It's just it just seems like it would be a nightmare to try to manage. Yeah, that was definitely a learning curve for me. I mean, I I don't want to go back and listen to my first podcast because I, I feel like I would be embarrassed listening to it. Like I've been doing um, videos um, for like weekly videos for just over a year. And I went back to my first couple videos. I'm like, oh, I was so stiff. And it's the same thing with podcasting. Like you want to figure out kind of what you're going to say in your intro and kind of how you're going to introduce your guest. And in my first several podcasts, well, for probably for a few months, actually, I was yeah, just kind of going through like my intro script and, and, and just doing my thing. And then I would ask my questions. And then finally, uh, like, you know, you kind of have light bulb moments, you hear different podcasters, different, different tips. And it was something that, um, Daniel J. Lewis said at NMX, no social media marketing world. He gave the tip about you want to have some type of structure and, and predictability in your show. You don't want it to be like totally different every other episode. Um, but don't open it up the same way every time. So after I heard that, I started opening up my show with like a quote or just something that's very specific to that guest interview. And so that way, like when the guest, like when the listener hears it, it's not, they're like, oh, she's not in ro robo mode. And I, it, that really helped me like loosen up. 
and and just get into the moment and um yeah so it definitely takes practice i don't feel like anyone can start a podcast and automatically be a natural and i mean obviously if you have like a radio background then yeah you can go into podcasting and you know have some skill but it definitely it took me several months before i got comfortable just talking like in my real voice like i feel like every time <laughs> for a while i definitely felt like i had to be like hey <laughs> 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 like uh the like bubbly jessica or something like yeah that. and that's the thing like i am very bubbly and energetic so there's like a balance i guess <laughs> it, well it's funny because you know you may think okay there's a balance and maybe i shouldn't be too bubbly but at the end of the day and this is something that i've started to figure out you know i'm about almost 50 episodes in uh, you start to create a, a unique voice for your show that attracts a certain type of person. Yeah. And these people, I don't know like where they, you know, you don't know where they were before. And then you just start to see them come up and start to make comments and then make comments again. And, you know, I recently had a fan who just binged, listened all my ep- to all my episodes. And I'm like, wow, that's a real fan. <laughs> I know. Somebody told me that yesterday on Facebook. They reached out and was like, I just binge listened to your show. And I thought, uh, roads to success or the podcast producers because a lot of people have binge listened to the podcast producers He's like no roads to success what's the podcast producers and i was like oh he binged to roads to success like <laughs> that's awesome yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I think as a, i think as a podcaster it's almost like that moment of pride um because of something uh, using an, an analogy you can relate to something you've birthed yeah, right yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're just like someone actually took the time not just as a casual listener but was interested enough in the last couple of episodes to say hey i like this style i like this person i like this content i like mm-hmm. this format they're, what what they're doing is validating your approach um and it could be just a couple but you know we start to build up a tribe of those people and those become your true fans yeah definitely like i i um every now and then i'll go and look at iTunes reviews to see if there's any new ones. And one of the reviews I had was, I love how Jessica just like dives right into the content. Like she doesn't just like chit chat with her guests. And I'm like, duly noted, my listeners do not want me to just chit chat about. And it's funny because I actually, somebody that I interviewed as we were talking after the recording, like he was suggesting that I, um, that I ask questions that are like, just like personal questions or unrelated or I share personal stuff about myself. And I'm like, I don't really think people care. I mean, if that <laughs> I'm like, I feel like I should yeah. have another show where I just like chit chat and like talk about different things. But I'm like, that's not really the point of this podcast. I don't think that's why people listen to this podcast. So I, I mean, sometimes I'll, you know, talk a little bit about the guest story, but I'm like, I like to just get right into content. I mean, that's what my show is about. So I, and that's what listeners have told me they like. So I just stick to that. Yeah, I find that a lot. I'm helping a client produce a, a podcast now, and it's focused on startups and how to perfect their pitch. And all the feedback that he's gotten for his show is like, keep it coming and keep it focused. It's 30 to 45 minutes, and it's you know jam-packed because he's got great interviews, and he just dives right in from the moment the conversation starts. Mm-hmm. So for him to just change gears and say, oh, so my dog went to the vet today, you know, it'll probably be out of context for that show. Yeah, yeah, and you've got to know like the right places to talk about that like I when I do my videos I'll I'll share a little bit like oh yeah it's like Wednesday morning and I'm having like because it works in that setting um but for my podcast I'm like I do 
get right into valuable and actionable content just because that's, you know, what I do with my show. And I always think about because when when Corey and I were recording our conversations for the podcast producers, we would just totally banter and, you know, it was all mostly related to podcasting. But I'm like, this would be so much fun to have a show where I didn't just focus on content and I would just like talk. But then it's like, oh, another show. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's that's the one thing with podcasters, right? We get this, we get, uh, there's no shortage of ideas because I've had yeah. probably, you know, five to 10 ideas for podcasts that I could start. And then the minute I remember like what's involved in doing this one, I, know. I was like, oh man, the only way I could, I'll do it is if another podcast host comes on board and yeah. then he, he can do all the production. I know. I know. I got kind of lucky there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Of course. But, with Corey, it's awesome. I know. I think I have, a, I have a name for your, your cast casual like uh your show you can call it roads after dark that's <laughs> <laughs> great <laughs> i'm gonna write that one and down. you could just like when when like it's sort of like what uh i think dark. um the daily show does that or something like that like uh, they do the daily, daily show podcast without john stewart i'm subscribed to that is that what you're talking oh, okay. about or no they, they you know how sometimes the daily show interviews are so ridiculously short it's like they get a guest on and then they oh. banter for a few minutes and they're like three or four minutes i'm like the the person flew all the way to New York to just to, to be on this short interview on, on Jon Stewart. And then I think they, they move some of that to the web for some of these. Yeah, uh, for some of them, they say for the extended interview, go to the Daily Show website. Did It, it just made me think of when um, Jennifer Lawrence was on the whole time they talked about her haircut. And she's like, what? Like, <laughs> it was hysterical <laughs> the whole time. I don't know if it was that if it was Stephen Colbert, in the Daily Show, but it was one of the two. And it's like, wow, these people fly all around, do these interviews, and they go on, like talk about their hair when they're promoting a movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, because they're used to it. And, and I know from a celebrity perspective, and I have a friend of mine who does the he actually interviews the celebrities in these junkets where they line up, I don't know, 10 to 15 to 20 interviews in one day. And then the, the celebrity has to just sit there and like 10 minutes, 10 minutes, 10 minutes. And it must be like the most boring and mundane part of their, their, their career. Although they can't complain for what they're getting paid. Oh, I know. Sometimes you can tell from some guests, like you can just tell. And I, I look out for that now, like now as podcasters and as, as people who interview other people and get interviewed, I love, like watching those celebrity interviews from that perspective, I'm like, oh, I wonder what's really going through their head right now doing this like publicity um, stint. <laughs> you you ha- you mentioned on one of, uh, I think it was your show, um, or you were talking to um, Joel and Pei of a relaunch about how uh, I think you have Jamie Tardy as a client. And she said uh, something to the effect of, I've been on so many shows and I've been asked almost every question in the book. And so she's a bit wary of going on additional shows. She's like, my story is out there. Like everybody knows my story. Like what value in there is there for me to continue to be on these interview shows? Yeah. Well, Jamie's, she's actually not a client of mine, but we're, you know, we're friends and she refers people to me and stuff like that. And, and we've booked some people on her show, but that I have like a couple different, See, whenever I hear like an opinion like that, I can see both sides of it. Like I can totally validate and see how she feels like I'm tired of telling my story. But I think it was David Hooper. uh, Do you know David? He he co-hosts the um, Red podcast. Um, He's a great guy, great podcaster, and he's got a radio background. He has a radio show in Nashville. And it was after Chris Brogan posted a similar type of blog that was like, stop. If you're going to interview me, stop asking me the same questions yeah. everyone else has interviewed me on. And 
to an extent, I'm like, okay, that's valid, you know, but at the same time, you know, what David posted an article, like in response to (laughs) Chris Brogan's, I just get such a kick out of watching all these interactions go on with podcasters, because everyone gets really (laughs) hyped up about it. Um, But I I really liked what, what David said, and it was like, you know, you like these big celebrities, like, cause he's interviewed, you know, major, um, you know, musicians and rock stars. He goes, that is your, I mean, that's really what you're doing. Like that is your job to tell your story because there's different people listening to every podcast. Like I have a few select marketing, not even like I have a very, very few select business shows I listen to. And as a podcaster in a, with a podcasting business, I am specifically paying attention to all these players. So I've heard their story. But there's like hundreds and thousands of people out there who have not heard Chris Brogan's story and don't know who he is. And like to assume that everyone knows who I am. It's like, well, actually, no, because I've met people. I'll talk to people at conferences and stuff. And they're like, I never heard of him. Like, (laughs) I mean, so it's like if you don't, if you're tired of telling your story, just stop going on podcast but if you're gonna go i mean it's the podcasters show they get to choose what questions they ask you you know yeah it's funny because i imagine that if the interviews dried up and it a couple of months went by they'll they'd probably ask how come no one's asking me to be on their show Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's funny it's like you know we all like we all have stuff in our business that we don't want to do like I I mean, I haven't told my story probably as much as like Pat Flynn or Jamie Tardy, but I've been on a, a fair number of podcasts and people ask, oh, how did you get started with Interview Connections? I should like, I've told that story a fair number of times. And in my head, I'm like, here we go again. But you know what? I always tell it with enthusiasm because I know there are people that have not heard it before. And for me to go on a show and be like, oh, again, like that is just I'm sorry. That's bitchy. (laughs) That is a bitchy (laughs) attitude to have. And if that's the attitude you're going to have, then don't go on podcasts. Like there's plenty of, you know, big names that they just, they don't accept invitations because they don't want to. And it's like, good, don't, if you know, if you're going to be like irritated by it, just say no. (laughs) It's interesting that comment. I mean, we live in this world, so we hear these names nonstop, and right. we're like, oh, like, uh, you know, Jimmy Tardy, Pat Flynn, mm-hmm. you know, Michael O'Neill, uh, Michael Hyatt. And all we need to do is, like, step outside of our little podcasting bubble and yeah. realize, guys, like, no one knows who all these people are. Like, my, my wife heard a couple of my episodes. She's like, I, you mentioned a lot of names. I just really don't know. Like, who are these people? And yeah. so she really, like, wasn't getting into the show because... We have to be careful sometimes mm-hmm. that if we want to broaden our audience, we have to step outside. And, and even for me, like I'm trying to step outside of the entrepreneurial podcaster bubble. Yeah. And I have some leeway because I interview podcasters. So now right. I can start going after comedy podcasters mm-hmm. or people who do history shows. And you know, I just had uh, Liz Covart on. I love from, Liz. I just um, um, met her in person at Podcast New England, but we've been like Facebook friends for a while. Yeah. yeah, and then I had uh, Jen Bryan, she did the Con- Congressional Dish podcast, and we chatted for, I just, I'm fascinated about, like, the inner workings of, like, how people put their show together, but what you realize is when you start to have these conversations, it gives you an insight into, you know, why they started it, and, and what what was their motivation, and that, that sort of gets us out of, like, the podcasting world. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think that's the thing I always try to remember is that 
per, you know, an internet celebrity is not a real celebrity. It's just not. I My brother and his girlfriend were just la- like, they always laugh at me um, when I'm at conferences, you know, because when I go to conferences, I'll, as a lot of us do, like we'll get pictures with the, you know, with the Amy Porterfields and the Pat Flynn's and we'll like post them online and stuff. Oh, Jessica with Pat Flynn, that kind of thing. And <laughs> whenever I'm at a conference and th- those pictures are like being posted, my brother, he's just like, who are these people? Like, you know, he sees me posting pictures like, oh, me, Jessica with this big celebrity. He's like, I've literally never heard of that person. And you're yeah. posting it as if they're someone that like everyone knows, but it's, you know, everyone in a very small sub circle knows who they are. But to the rest of the world, it's like, okay, well, I don't barely know what a podcast is. So <laughs> it's funny because it's even more, it's even probably smaller than we think it is because not only is it the podcast circle, but in some of these cases, it's the like the entrepreneurial podcast circle. Oh, yeah. Because you go to other, so you go to other podcasters small. and, you know, I, I mean, extreme example if you go to mark maron and you ask him who like you know maybe pat flynn is he probably wouldn't know like so yeah yeah it keeps you i think it's important to stay to stay humble and it's like when you remember that you you know you remember that like we're all just regular people and we and yeah after you podcast for a little little while we all have people that look at us like celebrities like because when i first started listening to podcasts I, there were people that I'm like, oh my gosh, like they're so big. And a lot of these people I'm now friends with and look at and, and I look to them as peers. But when I first listened to their show and like saw them speak, I was all starstruck. And now I'm like, oh, well, what's the big deal with him? (laughs) I mean, (laughs) people like are starstruck by him. So it's just, it's so subjective and it's all about where you are. And it's, and ultimately it's all in your head because one person's celebrity is another person's just best friend who, you know, they look to as equals. Yeah. It's interesting. So, um, Dialing back a bit to your start in podcasting, uh, did the the podcast came after you already had interview connections set up? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was working with podcasters and booking guests um, for just over a year before I actually decided to have my own podcast. And I was like, honestly, it was, well, first of all, I was just didn't like fit it into my schedule. Like I was very focused on building a business to, you know, have a living and everything. Cause at no point was my business a hobby. Like I started it when I was pregnant because I needed an income that I could do from home. So I was very, very focused on building my business. And then, and I knew that podcasting was going to be an investment because I was not going to write my own show notes. I was not going to edit my own show (laughs) and it was going to take some time. So it wasn't until, um, yeah, this, I mean, this past fall that I'm like, okay, or, you know, it was really last summer because it was after I went to podcast movement. I'm like, all right, I think I can handle this now and I think I should do it. But there was also fear, too, because I was afraid of, um, you know, we always <laughs> as really we pretty much alluded to, like there's so much talk about different shows and oh, are you going to be unique enough or are people just going to say, oh, you're just another interview show. And I was like, well, if I never have a podcast, nobody can tell me my show sucks and nobody can say I'm copying yeah. them. And I was like, and then I just decided I didn't care if people thought I was a copycat. And um, and uh, yeah, so I just got over that and I'm like, I'm just going to do it. 
And I've had a lot of fun with it. And I've come to really, I've always loved listening to podcasts. And I've always really been into podcasting, just working with podcasters and guests and things like that. Um, But now that I've gotten into it as a host and somebody that's actually doing their own show, I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Because I'm really passionate about human connection. That's what I realized. Like I used to go door to door. Um, my last job was, uh, I ran a field canvas for an environmental group. And one of the things yeah. I really liked about that was like knocking on someone's door and having a face to face conversation. Cause we're just so, well, yeah, no, we're all online and you know, we like people text now, they don't pick up the phone and call. And I love just like talking to somebody and having a conversation. And I'm realizing that's what we do as podcasters now is we get on the, well, we get on Skype or we get on the phone and we just have a conversation and it's, it energizes me. And I realize like, I never really use the word passion when I talk about like what I do in business. Cause I'm like, Oh, it's so fluffy, but there is a little bit of passion that goes into it for sure. <laughs> I think you have to have passion, right? Because if you're not passionate about what it is you do, uh, at the end of the day, you're just going to run out of steam you're going to get bored of it and you're going to start looking for something different to do. Um, and it's going to show, people are going to hear it, people can tell, you know, it's sort of like that vibe about like when someone walks into the room and they're like in a crappy mood, there's this aura around them that you just don't want to be around those people. Mm -hmm. And I think the same comes across with us with, you know, podcasting with with what we do, but just your job in general. Like if you bring that passion and even if we can see each other, so we're know we're having a good time in this conversation, but sometimes you can even hear when people are, you can almost tell when people are smiling and you're just listening to Mm -hmm. them on a podcast. You're like, that person's having a great day because I can hear it. I was, yeah, I I was talking to someone yesterday, um, uh, a new client actually, and he just started a podcast. And just as I'm having a conversation with him, I could tell he was smiling the whole time. He was so energized, so like passionate, enthusiastic, just lo- like you could just tell this man loves life. He loves what he does. When uh, he was telling me about his different businesses and what he's doing and why he wants to have a podcast and all this stuff, like he was just so full of joy. It was so energizing that I hung up with the phone. I mean, not only was I excited to have a new client, um, but I'm like, oh, this guy's going to be so fun to work with because he loves what he does. But, but meanwhile, there are also people that want to have a podcast because they're like, you know, I I want to make money with it. I, I want to get clients from it. I'm doing it because, <laughs> you know, like I feel like yeah, I you have can, to. You can, yeah, even, even in your example of like... <laughs> recreating their voice you can hear like it's almost like they're dragging their voice through like mud or something like that i don't know (laughs) what a better analogy can come up with at the time but they're just like yeah i just dread this and i feel like i have to do this and there's nothing exciting or fun about that i know like there's nothing and don't get me wrong there's nothing wrong with starting a podcast because it's good for business i mean that's what i i mean ultimately like i pulled the trigger on starting roads to success because i want to keep my business growing and I want to be a speaker at these events and things like that. And I'm like, they're never going to book somebody to speak about podcasting who doesn't have a podcast. So that was kind of like the, duh, you should have a podcast. But I do really enjoy it. Like, it's not something that I'm doing just because like, oh, everyone, you know, I have to do it because I want to be successful. It's like, no, I really, really dig it. And it's awesome to talk to people. And I'm having, you know, I have a lot of fun with it, too. So you mentioned your job, your previous job at uh, Clean Water Action, right? Yeah. And uh, you talked about being passionate about human connection. Is that something that you r- realize in yourself? Is, is it's part of your human nature? Going like going back even before you had that job. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm. I am an extrovert. Like I. 
while I enjoy my alone time and I really like working from home, I get energized by being around other people. Um, like when I go to conferences and stuff and go to events or go out with other people, there's always a little like the hard, the social anxiety of like getting into the situation, but I always leave feeling so much more energized than if I were to just be alone for, for a long time. Um, so I'm, I am an extrovert and always have been. And I've also, we just asked my parents, I've always been a talker. Like I've, <laughs> Like from whenever I, you know, from kindergarten, preschool, probably I was always the kid who didn't shut up. Like if the teacher asked a question, my hand was up first and I didn't understand if people knew the answer, why they wouldn't raise their hand and answer the question. So I was always the one <laughs> talking. So, um, yeah, so it's always been a part of my personality and I don't think I, I've, it wasn't until recently that I actually, well, it was during my last job that I thought about why I liked canvassing is because I like talking to people face to face, but it really wasn't until my adult life that I put words to why I like to talk <laughs> in that aspect of my personality. So I do think it's always been inside me. Um, and it's cool because I, I went to school, I studied, um, I thought I was going to go into theater because I thought I would be on Broadway and then kind of realized I wasn't good enough. So <laughs> took a different career path there and ended up majoring in communication and organizational communication. And so studied that and never thought I would go into broadcasting, but always knew I wanted to do something where I wanted to talk to people. Like <laughs> when I was really little, I thought I wanted to be a receptionist because I could answer the phone. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> I must have been really young because that's, that's not a great career goal. <laughs> Well, it's interesting because where would you have seen that? Like the only thing I'm, you know, I'm showing my age with this reference, but when I when you say receptionist, I think of like the call operator, and I think of this uh, TV show or their skit where Lily Tomlin is like a, a telephone operator, and, and she's like plugging in the cable. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where I got it from. Like I just have yeah. this memory of just wanting to answer the phone and talk to people. <laughs> It's funny because if, if someone were to make, and obviously people have videos now of all this stuff, but now, like when what kids say when they're young, what they want to be when they grow up is like so far away from what they end up being. I know. And, and if, you know, people should, there should be someone that puts that together and says, well, you know, this is what you said you'd be. And, and there's probably very few kids who decide very early on, you know, they have so maybe some these old souls mm -hmm. that are very clear about what they want to be when they grow up and, and they actually end up doing that. Oh, yeah, there's a yeah, there's a, a few people that yeah that have known what they wanted to be for as like there's a lot i mean there's a lot of entrepreneurs too that say like i've always been an entrepreneur since i was a little kid or i started business when i was a little kid um i mean i didn't think that i would start a business until like a couple months before i started my business <laughs> <laughs> that's about the right time right yes <laughs> i think what's important is to leave room for stimulation for a child Mm -hmm. um, we don't have any kids yet, um, my wife and I, but I've uh, a lot of nieces and nephews. And I've, I've, I'm just fascinated when I run into a child that is years, if not decades, older than what their physical age is, just by the nature of the things that they say. And I think it just, you know, in my mind, it seem, it would seem like you leave them enough room to let their imagination run wild. Um, and if you don't restrict them, then I think the future is like super bright for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, as I've mentioned a couple of times, like I have my son, Nathan, is two and a half. And then I, I'm having a girl 
in really just a few weeks. And so I think a lot about how we're raising our kids and how we're impacting the way they see the world and what they aspire to be. And as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, I can see like how much opportunity and room for imagination and, um, you know, like just your ability to be creative and just make life what you want it to be now that I have my own business. But growing up, I never saw that as a, a, as a possibility. Like we only ever hear of, oh, well, you go to school, you go to college, you get a job, you climb the career ladder, whatever. It's just like very mapped out for everyone. And nope, like kids are just never, like I think kids are born entrepreneurial, but they're taught to go, you know, follow the, the path that everyone should take and like go to school and do this and do that. So, um, yeah, I, I, I can only hope that, that my kids all, I don't know. I'm like, I want them to be entrepreneurs, but my husband's not an entrepreneur and he's like, no, I want them to be an activist and be a community organizer because he works for, um, yeah. So like for an environmental group and nonprofits and stuff like that. So we're like, whatever they do, they'll have a positive impact on the world and they'll be happy. Yeah, it's a fine line because as a parent, uh, and I see this with my parents, you know, they at the end of the day, they just want their kids to be happy. They want their kids to be secure and they have a roof over their heads. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they freak out when they see their kids struggle. Um, and sometimes we need to struggle, right? Because we need to make it on our own. And we, we need to... To, to leave the nest, so to speak, and uh, and demonstrate that we can survive in this world on our own. Yeah. But that that connection as a parent never ends, and it's just I'm sure painful to watch when some of your kids you know make it, and some you know some are still struggling. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm uh, I'm learning now that my siblings and I are all grown and out of the house. I but I can still see like parenting doesn't stop when the kids grow up. I mean, you kind of think that as a kid, you're like, you know, I remember being. 18 and going off to college and I was like I'm grown now like I can like don't tell me what to do but but now I can I can see it because like your my parents like they don't stop worrying and then the worry goes from from you like my dad still like checks in with me on like you know finances and stuff I'm like we got this like don't worry about it you know but he's still like even though he knows like my husband and I are independent and you know we've got stuff together like he still needs to just like check in and and ask us because as a parent you can never let your kids go you know like I just and now that I have kid and kids soon (laughs) you know I look at my son and I you know he's like a little two-year-old running around and I can picture him as a little tiny baby and I can only imagine when he's like a smelly 16 year old I'm gonna still picture him (laughs) as a little baby and it's gonna be so hard when he like doesn't want to give me a hug and a kiss (laughs) yeah and all you need to do is have your own kids to to put into perspective like the job that your parents did raising you I know I know I get I'm like when he doesn't go to sleep for me at night. I'm like, oh, I'm getting such serious payback because I was so like, I, re- I remember and I remember being I've been told that I was like, just terrible at going like going to bed at night. Like, I just wouldn't want to go to bed. And now I know what my parents felt like <laughs> when I wouldn't go to bed at night. <laughs> so you, you mentioned your dad and you actually had your dad on one of your podcast episodes. He's, he's Jim Palmer. Yeah. He's, a, he's a successful business coach. And I'm wondering how much of an influence that had on you. Um, like you said, you didn't immediately go into an entrepreneurial uh, venture early on. But I imagine like seeing him 
and seeing what he was doing growing up um, had some sort of influence on you? Yeah, he started his business when I was around 13 years old after he lost his job and got cancer. <laughs> so the he was not a successful businessman for for several years. Well, I guess his his business kind of took off probably like when I was in high school. And when you're in high school, you're so self-absorbed. You're not really thinking. Yeah. And, you know, also I never knew how much money he was making and he was getting out of debt and everything. So it really wasn't until you know, my adult years. And as I approached starting my own business that I realized um, that, I, that I started to be impacted by his entrepreneurship. Um, because he from, you know, my childhood up until I was like 12 or 13, he was very successful as a you know, director of franchise for a major corporation. And then he lost his job, he got cancer, you know, um, unemployed for a long time, started his business, took a year to get his first client. He was working at Target, stocking shelves in the morning, networking at night, going to, you know, different like coaching seminars and stuff like that. Um, so that's what I saw. I mean, I saw the hustle, but it's it's funny because I'm like, what did I think? You know, like, I don't remember how it impacted me at the time. I mean, now I can look back on it and um, and kind of see, you know, 2020, you know, hindsight is 2020. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, now, like, we're really close because we're both entrepreneurs and he's taken me under his wing and shown and like, I mean, everything I know about business, I really learned from him. I mean, I um, there's a lot of skills that I've learned in my previous job. And of course, like going to school and college, like there's different skills you learn, but as far as like marketing and business building and all the entrepreneurial lessons I've, I've learned by, you know, coaching with him and, um, and, uh, and yeah, and you know, I'm in his mastermind group and I, I'll get on, you know, like I'll do coaching calls with him. Like we'll get on, <laughs> you know, I'll schedule a call with him and we'll talk about business. And we have like a, it's funny, we have like a separate, like we have our father-daughter relationship and then we have our coaching, coach, coachy <laughs> yeah. relationship. So yeah. That's, that's, that's important to keep, to separate those out because you sort of have to, as a, as a successful coach, and I, you, you guys both touched upon this during that episode, um, and we'll put a link to that in the show notes, that you have to put on that different hat, and, and you don't want to have a coach that's a friend. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, he mentioned like a lot of these times they're just accountability groups yeah. with no real outcome. And then you're left wondering why you're not progressing in your business. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... It's like, and you can have, you can have accountability partners and, and people you mastermind with. Like I have a, um, a good friend. She's actually in our, our business mastermind group with my dad. So we both invest financially in his coaching and his mastermind group. But then her and I teamed up and, um, you know, meet weekly. We, we're accountability partners. Um, but with, and so what I get there is I do get a lot of like great support and advice from her, but there is more, um, like I would be, <laughs> I would be more afraid to go to my dad and say like, I didn't take action on something you told me to take action on than I would if I went to like a really good friend that supports me and meets and we meet together, um, once a week. So you get like different things from different types of business relationships, but, um, but yeah, I mean, when I, <laughs> like I was, I had a really very, very impactful coaching call with him a couple weeks ago where, you know, I was looking at my cash flow and like, I have a really big, um, team of virtual contractors and, um, you know, when you have a biz, I don't know if Harry, you have like, um, contractors or virtual assistants, but there's always yeah, that. VAs. Yeah. So there's always that balance of like 
gross revenue coming in and then the expenses going out. And it's always nice when the, you know, when you're net positive, right? And so I remember I, I had a coaching call with them and, and, you know, we're looking down, uh, my, you know, like the, the labor expense on my, you know, PL. And, and he really got me to see that I had to make some decisions in my business to <laughs> be profitable and to keep moving forward. Um, and I just wouldn't have seen it without him, like, just saying, like, you need to keep the, like, you're, fear, you're, you're kind of t- uh, thinking with your heart right now, you know, like, I wanted to, because I, I really, ultimately, I had to let some people go, I had to shrink my team a little bit, because I was, I just had too many people on staff. And, um, and for him, because I know the people we've got, you know, we like work together and everything. And, and he's able to look at it and say, he's able to just look at the numbers and say, like, this is clearly the decision you need to make. So, yeah, I think sometimes you need that outside eye to give you the perspective that'll keep you in business mm-hmm. for the next couple of years, right? Yeah. Not not doing something that you're well, I'm wanna and you know, it's it's not personal and you can still maintain a relationship. And I think if you treat people with respect and you're upfront with why you're making those decisions, then they'll you know, although they they may not like the decision when it first happens, I, I think they'll remember that you treated them with respect, mm-hmm. and you know you'll you'll not have burned a bridge. And if things pick up later, there's always that opportunity to continue working together. Yeah, there's this book that I've I read a while ago. My dad re- reminded me to remember the lessons I learned. But Dan Kennedy um, wrote a book. It's a uh, I think no BS uh, ruthless time or uh, ruthless management of people and profits great book if you have if if anyone listening has a business where they have anyone whether it's a virtual assistant or a team of world employees like this book is definitely something you should read because it's it's the i think dan actually dan kennedy is like this really like old (laughs) marketing guy very old school very like misogynistic and he like opens up his books was you know you'll probably not like a lot of this advice but it works (laughs) and um and uh and kind of the main lesson in the book and what my dad reminded me of is like the only reason you hire someone or have any type of expense in your business is because it's going to help you be more profitable and it's going to help you have a bigger return on your investment. If at any time, any thing on your expense column of your P&L report is not producing a return and not helping you grow, you got to cut it. It's got to go because- And, you, and you, you have to cut it sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you're not like, really, we're not in business to it's it's great when we can be in business to create jobs. Like I love that I have a business that has grown to a point where I have a lot of stay at home moms that have a nice income where they're home with their families. I love that. But that's not the reason I started my business. And yeah, it's not a charity. It's not charity. Yeah. And uh, a lot I think a lot of businesses fail because they you know, they're paying, they're paying people too much. They're hiring too many people. And they're not remembering that as a business owner, your priority is to be profitable, you know, and, and that's, uh, it can be hard because it can kind of feel cold hearted sometimes. But ultimately, if I, you know, if you don't make these hard decisions to be profitable, well, you'll go out of business and then nobody's going to be happy in three months when you all get fired. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's, it's, it bears repeating. And no matter how, how long we've been in business, I think keeping that lean mentality um, in the back of your mind as you grow, as you scale, just kind of revisiting those lessons about staying lean, staying lean, staying lean, because that's what happens. You see these corporations and they're just bloated and like 
six layers of middle management and you go through these offices and there's like 20 empty cubicles mm-hmm. and you know that's the extreme version of it but right. we do that as entrepreneurs as well because we we start you know subscribing to these newsletters buying these services you know it's only 99 dollars a month here it's only 249 dollars mm-hmm. it's whatever it is and we're like oh i, I kind of need this or mm-hmm. i i want to try this tool and they just sit there unused and before you know it we're looking at our credit card statements and we're like where where is all my money going mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. so it's just keeping that lean mentality is, is something that I don't think that we ever should stop doing. Oh, I, yeah, I totally agree. And that's, yeah, that was another thing my dad said. He's like, you want to get, cause it's scary. Like it was scary for me to make my team a lot smaller. Cause you know, it was it, it the idea of bringing on clients and not having the, the bandwidth within the team to be able to, to serve them was like, that was scary. But I, but what I realized is like, I've got to, yeah, you've got to be lean. You've got to have the smallest team possible that can produce all the results you need. And then when that team is totally maxed out, then you then you hire and then you grow. But you don't hire a whole bunch of people and then hope to fill it out because, yeah, yeah <laughs> it can be yeah, tough. You, I, mean, I mean, we have this vision of trying to build this like really huge company and like and then waiting for the business to come in mm-hmm. <laughs> as mm-hmm. opposed to what you just said yeah. is like build have enough that could you know so, so nothing is breaking but then let that get to its straining point right and that'll be the sign that you need to expand yeah yeah and i think it's also a matter of making sure your your team um, if we're talking about like labor expenses like making sure your team like understands how like how they help you grow like, cause it's really, you know, you know, I have contractors and, and really like if they, if they can't show results, they can't book the interviews. I can't keep them on. So there, there's a, there's an element of like making sure people understand that. Listen, if you show results, if you help the business grow, that increases your job security and that allows us to grow. But just, but yeah, so you, you, you but, and like a lot of employees, if you just look at like, you know, regular like businesses and stores and things like that, a lot of employees, they don't have that mindset. They're like, I got hired. I'm going to work at this cashier and I'm going to do this. It's like, what can, you know, I've read there's, I can't think of the specific books, but there's great business books out there where they talk about if employees have that, that mindset of how can I help this business grow? How can I help if you're working at a retail store? Like, how can you help make that retail store the best one in the region? Well, tr- chances are you're going to be promoted to manager. Chances are you're going to have a job a lot longer than someone that just comes in and rings people out from nine to five. And uh, I just think that, you know, people are there's yeah, there's a difference between people who are successful and people are not. It's because the people are successful are thinking about how they can, how they can make the company grow and how they can show true results as opposed to just, you know, coming in and uh, logging their hours and clocking out. Yeah. And I think uh, the companies that are successful, value their employees to the extent that they they bring them in to all decision making even yes. even some of the things that where they don't need the decision they just want their opinion they want a second set of ears and they're bought into the company's mission statement mm-hmm. and they share the mission statement and they say this is how we treat our customers this is you know how we interact with each other sort of the guidelines and they feel like they almost feel like they're part of this family and then, and then they're brought in at that point and they want to succeed they they want to succeed personally and they want you to succeed. And when you have people like that working for you, it's it's really fantastic. Oh, yeah. I uh, My dad does a great thing. My dad has a big virtual team. And once a month, uh, he, do, he does an R&D call. So he tells everyone on the team, he doesn't have employees. We're all virtual assistants, virtual contractors. And he tells everyone on the team, like, I, for one hour a month... <laughs> 
invoice me, bill me for one hour. I want you to think about what you think about ideas that will help my business grow. (laughs) And then we all get on a team meeting and just, we go round robin and give our ideas. And he says some of the best ideas, some of the best ideas that he's implemented to keep his business growing have come from his team. And so he invests in that. And um, I mean, that's definitely something, you know, that I want to um, implement more, uh, like officially in my team, but I always keep the open line of communication. I try to just constantly remind my team, like you, I mean, you guys are on the front lines working with clients really directly. Like, what can we do, you know, to make this better? Because the system that I set up when I was doing it solo is, you know, may or may not work for, <laughs> for the team. So I'm always open to changing and adapting and your, yeah, your staff, your team can bring you the best ideas. Yeah. You just got to give them enough credit yeah to, you know, that they, that they actually have some originality and and they, like you said they're on the front line so they're the ones closest to, to figuring out what's broken and where there's room for improvement yeah yeah definitely yeah and always making sure they know they can speak up too because yeah. a lot of times they're like well i don't want to i don't want to rock the boat i don't want to step on your toes like it's, i don't know if it's my job to say this but i'm always like no 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 no. tell me tell me tell me tell me tell <laughs> me yeah that's funny because um i'm my one of my virtual assistants is in the Philippines, and so there's a cultural difference there too. Yeah. And a lot of what I learned when I when I first started working with virtual assistants in the Philippines is they're they're not going to be confrontational. It's just not in their nature, mm-hmm. and they're not going to speak up, and they're not going to do anything that they think might let look make their boss look bad. Right, right, and right, right. You, it's almost like a, a a shift in mindset where you have to say over communicate. I mean, that's those are the words that I've actually used. I'm I'm, I'm I tell her. Over communicate. If you think you're you're annoying me, you're you know you're probably close to the point where you're over communicating. Yeah. But over communicate more because oh, yeah. until I start telling you stop nagging me every hour, because <laughs> mm-hmm. it never gets to that point. You know, if you yeah. tell them over communicate, they'll they'll go to where they think, well, this is too much. Mm-hmm. Maybe Harry wouldn't like this. And for me, it's not enough. I'm like, no, exactly. just text me. If if something is broken, I need to know right away. Yeah. And if you don't have something with you, to do your next step in your procedure, like let me know because uh, you can't just send one email or you know with all these forms of communication we have. And I, I use Slack, which is fantastic. That's what I use because, too. Yeah, I just started oh. using it a few weeks ago, and we love it. It is yeah, so Slack is awesome. awesome. Um, and then when if you if you use the 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 um, the hashtags correctly, then you start to see oh this is uh, something on this topic, and you, you know almost you can yeah your mindset okay. That's what they have a question about. Um, so that's why that's fantastic. You can group out the chats into those different groups. Oh, yeah. I love. So when you say the hashtag, do you mean the channels or yeah, the channels? The yeah, channels, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. we're starting to we were so first we were, you know, over like an email and then I'm like, this is ridiculous. Let's move somewhere else. So then we had a private Facebook group and then I'm like, oh, this is terrible. <laughs> and then I, I actually heard about Slack um, on Smart Passive Income, Michael Hyatt was interviewed and they talked about it. I'm like, this sounds awesome. And so I'm, we, we use the free version and it's every, it's all we need. And, yeah. it, and I just, it's so funny. Cause speaking of like getting your team involved in decision-making, I, I did not want to have a discussion about whether or not we were using it. I said, we are using it one week from today. If you hate it, we can take a vote. And this is what Michael said he did with his team, except he did one day. I said, I'll give you a week to try it out. Cause we all, some people won't work Monday. Some, you know, so I was like, I want a whole week where we're, we're all using it. 
and um, and then we can we can take a vote and decide how we communicate. But I and and uh, I mean it was unanimous, like hands down. Everyone's like, oh, this is so great. And uh, so we're now we're trying to see all the different ways that we can be utilizing the channels. But uh, it's interesting what you said about the having a virtual assistant in the Philippines. Most of my team are. Um, at least everyone that works with clients directly uh, booking interviews is us based. I mean, one gal's from the UK originally, but, um, but I hired a virtual assistant um, from the Philippines to do more administrative work. And I was talking to her about like how many hours a week. And she goes, well, if I can't get it done in that many hours, I just, I won't bill you for more. And I'm like, no, like bill me for what you're working. <laughs> just figure out. Cause I'm like, I want to pay you for what you are doing. Like, don't just exactly. do free work. But, but she was like, but her, yeah, she wanted to just make sure they're very, very accommodating. Um, and but yeah, the the communication is key. <laughs> What's interesting about uh, Slack, and I'm, um, I, I created a, a web app, uh, a mobile app, sorry, uh, a couple of years ago, and so I'm, I'm big into like UX, UI design. And there was an article about the founders of Slack. If you think about it, the tool is nothing new. There's been a lot of like these chat tools right. over the years. I think uh, Hip Hip Chat was another one that people were were big on for a while. But what what made Slack different was the fact that they wanted to make the experience fun. Mm-hmm. And so, if you look at if you think about the sounds that that come up when you hear like something pops into your Slack channel, yeah. or the little the visual graphics that they use, or the animation, or even the colors. That, I mean, this article was fantastic because it literally broke down from like uh, the psychology perspective of what this user experience should be when they're using a tool like this, mm-hmm. and you should feel like almost you're you're having fun or you're playing, yeah, as opposed to like, uh, I don't want to log into this tool; it's so ugly, and like that's that's like the feeling I get when I have to use outlook or something (laughs) oh i know yeah it's it kind of makes you feel it takes a virtual team environment and tries to bring it uh you know into real like into real life you know like i love the the random channel because every now and then it's like we'll post funny stuff like i'm thinking um so my husband and i just recently started watching breaking bad we're like six years late on that trend but we just started it on netflix and it's so good and it's like when you watch a show that's been out for I don't know, six years, seven years. Nobody's posting on Facebook about it. So I'm like, who can I talk to about this? So I just posted in the, the random channel to my team. I'm like, does anyone else watch Breaking Bad? And turns out not many people have. In well, my you, team, have to, but- you, you have to be careful because you have to... If you, if you have a comment or you have a question about it, you have to make sure which season you're referring to because oh, yeah. big, big, big time Well, that's the other thing. Alerts. I'm like, oh, I don't want to talk to people who have seen the whole thing because like we just started season two. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's a great show. We're like, I no, first... it's, it's a fun, when people tell me, I was, I asked them, I said, okay, what season are you up to? And they're like, yeah. oh, we're at the part where like he loses his job or he, you know, he's. Did like, you watch it? Oh yeah, yeah. It's, it, for me, um, it's one of the best TV series I've ever seen. Yeah, and at first I was a little hesitant to get into it because I really like like happy things. <laughs> But my husband and I have so few shows and movies that we both like. And so I was like, okay, fine, we'll watch it. And I watched one episode. I was like, oh, that was pretty good. It's one of those shows that as I'm watching it, I'm like so stressed out. Like we just started season two. So um, 
it, well, you know, there's very, there, it, it starts to get really intense. Like, I feel like all of season one was very foundational, kind yeah. of just like setting the stage. And now, like, every episode is this huge cliffhanger. And I'm like, oh my God. Um, but yeah, it's so good. I mean, the story is so unique. And Brian Cranston, I mean, no wonder he won so many awards. Like, his acting is incredible in it. It's just so funny because um, Vince Gilligan talks about the arc of the character is you is as the viewer you're watching someone go from mr chips which i I guess is a a famous tv character or a movie character i don't know who he's referring to but it sounded like maybe like a clown or something like Mm. that so you're watching the arc of someone go from mr chips to scarface it's crazy (laughs) and you see it over the course of like however many five or six seasons whatever it was yeah and it's and it's true because if you go back and you watch the beginning and then you see where he, uh, he eventually ends up, you're like, wow, it's, I don't know that there's been anything done like that on TV before. Yeah, I love it because there's so much crap on TV. Like there's so many shows that are just so bad. And then you get a show like Breaking Bad or I, I love The Walking Dead. I love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It's so, I mean... Just the character development and the storylines are, you know, not just being repurposed from one show to the next. Um, like, how many cop shows do we need, really? Like, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I actually really like, like, Chicago PD and Chicago Fire and Law and & Order, but they're all kind of the same show with different characters, and that, maybe yeah. that's why I like them. But, but yeah, to get a show like The Walking Dead or Breaking Bad or, you know, Mad Men, like, these are all shows that are very... Uh, very unique, you know. They didn't just try to copy something. Did you get? Have you gotten into Game of Thrones yet? No, no. My husband loves it. That's his like Sunday night thing. I, um, I don't. I'm not. Even though I do like The Walking Dead, I'm not really into anything else like fantasy wise. So I don't know. It's I, a lot of. It's interesting. We took about three or four times before we could actually get get started watching it, and yeah. we we finally. Um, picked it up this year mm-hmm. so we obviously binge watched yeah. seasons one through four which is always fun because you're just like uh, there's you no such thing as really a, fast yeah, yeah. there's no such thing as a season ending cliffhanger you're just mm-hmm. like next mm-hmm. <laughs> i know i love it i love it i'm big on orange is the new black well that's like yeah. my show like my husband doesn't watch that with me that's like my my show that i binge watched and i've I, the last episode of the of season i think three that just came out is an hour and a half and I've been watching it in like 20 minute chunks. <laughs> so I'm really savoring it. I'm really yeah, making yeah. it last. Partly because sometimes I can only get 20 minutes in before I have to do something else. <laughs> it's funny because you can sort of tie that back into the, the like a podcast episode. Yeah. Like, like if it like the length doesn't matter. Like if you want to hear a, a show and it's interesting and it's engaging, you'll just chunk up your time to, to figure out when you can catch, you know, where, where you can fit it into your own schedule and, and, listen, yeah. and listen to the entire thing. Because even if I'm sitting at my desk, I listen to podcasts on my phone or my iPad because I want to carry it around, you know, like I'll carry it to the bathroom with me so I can keep listening. <laughs> but I'll be able to like the long episodes, you know, you can just pa- like if you have to do something, you just pause it. And then when you're ready again, yeah. you just play it. It's great. Yeah. So how how did you decide? Um, you talked about in and in, I think you I think it was on relaunch as well. How you had a, a point where you you were about to have the baby and you decided you're, you're not going to work anymore. You were going to be a stay at home mom. And then there's a transition period where you had to decide um, that you wanted to work again and you wanted to be something that I imagine was going to be flexible with your time, um, which is what. I imagine eventually led to interview connections. Mm-hmm. So, but in that period where you decided what to do next, 
How did the idea for Interview Connections come about? Um, it really didn't. Interview Connections really didn't come about until after a few months into having an online business, which really, um, for all intents, I mean, I was a virtual assistant working as a, you know, sole proprietor. <laughs> like I didn't, it was, it was me doing a service hourly for, for individual clients. Um, most of which was my dad at first because he, <laughs> he really should, cause I knew, um, cause like when I was, you know, three months pregnant and I gave my boss my notice saying that, Hey, I'm pregnant. And when the baby comes, I'm leaving. Uh, there was a few months there where I had no idea what I was going to do. Um, and then, you know, it was like around Thanksgiving ish. My dad had said, well, why don't you be a virtual assistant? I'll show you how to have an online business. And I'm like, what? But he's like, just trust me, you know? So I just started by doing, um, work for him. And then I was booking one of the things he's like, yeah, I get interviewed on podcasts, internet radio shows. It's really good for my business. So why don't you just start booking me? I'm like, okay, I don't know. Wow. I'm like, and I'm like, business podcast and I'm like pitching him to these probably shows that would never like respond to my pitch but I had I I, that's where naivete (laughs) ignorance is so like I feel like that's why I was able to grow my business because I didn't know who was big I didn't know who was like I just approached everyone and um and then from there like as I was doing that as a virtual assistant people you know podcasting started to pick up and podcasters and other entrepreneurs started saying like oh can you help me get booked or can you help me find guests and um I was doing that I was also doing Pinterest marketing so I was doing people's Pinterest pages as a virtual assistant and then I also figured out how to design infographics with mm. PictoChart so I was doing a couple like random things and when I realized like a few months after my son was born I was saying to my dad, I'm like, I really need to build my business. I need to grow faster. I need to make more money. And so he asked me, um, he's like, well, what do you enjoy doing the most in your business? And what's the most profitable? And for me, Pinterest and infographics weren't really the most profitable because it really was just so depend. First of all, I didn't, I just came to not really enjoy it quite as much. You have to like, I don't know. A lot how, of hands on. Honestly, I don't know how people make a whole business around one social media platform. Like, I, I don't know how like Amy Porterfield does that. I would be so sick of Facebook if I were her. Like I would just hate my life if I had to talk about like, I mean, maybe people think that about podcasting, but I just think it's yeah. a much broader anyway. So I'm like, I wasn't really stoked about growing a Pinterest business just kind of, um, but I'm like, well, I really like booking people for podcast interviews because everyone's really happy when they get booked on an interview. <laughs> And so, and so he just, he helped me, um, come up with the idea for interview connections. And he's like, well, you know, create a service. Cause you know, if you want to scale a business, you've got to do something that's going to, um, grow beyond just you. Cause I did not want to be a solo entrepreneur. Like I wanted to grow where it wasn't all going to be tied to my hours and my time. There must be a small world. I mean, small world or small niche or a small circle, um, in terms of people that uh, obviously booking guests is not is not something new, but booking guests for podcasts, there must be just a small circle of folks that are doing that, right? Yeah, um, there are. De- I'm I'm seeing more and more individuals who are uh, doing that in their business, offering that as a service. Um, I have yet to see another business who has scaled out a team that's booking people. I I can think of several names who I know work with clients and get them booked. Um, But as far as like growing a whole team and having a whole, you know, business beyond their individual (laughs) 
per- their individual name who serves one other person. Um, I yeah, it's still I haven't seen it. I mean, I know, um, I know I'm not the only one doing it. I mean, I I love listening to. Um, there was an episode of the Daily Show podcast without John Stewart where they interviewed the booking agent for the show, oh, and I'm nice. like, "This is so cool because it's like me, but for the Daily Show." <laughs> and that's really neat because it's like my model is nothing new. I just took it and I adapted it to podcasting to a very, very, very specific niche of podcasting. Like I've had people that come to me who have, um, you know, TV and entertainment podcasts. Can you help me book like the actors and the people? And I. I don't. And yeah. I'm like, it's, you know, I've built out a network of entrepreneurs and small business owners, and we're getting into some different categories, but I've really just stayed very, 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 very niched um, and just become, I've become very well known in a very, very small pond. You know, when you, when you think of the, the big, big picture of the world and of business. <laughs> well, it um, seems like you've established the, um, the framework for, booking guests and and you have the business set up already so it's no stretch to think that at some point in the future you could have divisions right you could have business you could have comedy you could have yeah yeah you know entertainment um because you have the infrastructure in place and you have the the skill set required is just a matter of establishing the connections with those people in those circles exactly yeah i mean um it's yeah it's really just a matter of like getting the right people on the team who have the ability to make those connections, you know? Um, so yeah, it's, there's so many different things that I could do with it. And, and there's no shortage of like people that have said, you should totally do this with interview connections. (laughs) Oh, you should just do this. I'm like, yeah, it's just so, let me just slap up a new website and just, you know, there's, but, um, but yeah, I, 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 one day uh, in a few years, once, once I'm not like producing humans and changing diapers, I'll, um, there's a lot, you know, there's cool places that I could take the business. But for now, I just, I like doing what I'm doing, you know, just working with this, this small business entrepreneur podcaster community. It's been, um, it hasn't slowed down at all. There's still a lot of leverage to get out of it. If anything, it's picking up, I imagine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's so funny when I hear people like, oh, is podcasting going? I was like, "Uh, yeah, like, (laughs) trust me, people every day are discovering how powerful podcasting is um, for, for business. Like, there are so many people out there. It has, it's only in its infancy. What's interesting is that you're in a unique place where you get to interact with the the hosts mm-hmm. and you get to interact with the people who um, want to be guests or you need to reach out so that they can be guests on, on, on shows. So I was wondering if taking both of those audiences um, and just dealing with the people who want to have big name guests or, or prominent guests, what's one thing or, or either a common misconception that people have about the process or just uh, something that continues to trip people over from a podcast host perspective? It's funny. I actually, when people sign up on my website, one of the first, uh, they, they fill out a couple forms, information about their podcast, uh, booking requests, who they want to interview. And I have in big, bold letters, a word on celebrity guests. <laughs> and I have a little like, kind of like a disclaimer, like, if you're about to l- type into this booking request form, all of the biggest celebrities, and you haven't yet launched your show, let me offer you a little reality check. It's not exactly in those words. But um, I am so not the person that thinks celebrity guests are the key to a successful podcast. I I just, you know, I, I, I agree. Yeah, no, it's just like, 
I can't even put it into words. I just think a like people say like, oh, how do I get the A list guests? I'm like, there isn't A list guests and B list guests and C list guests. There's guests that are great for your show, you know. And yeah. um, I think you know. what you, I think what you should do is uh, also in addition to putting that disclaimer there, you automatically uh, provide a link to that Chris Brogan article where he <laughs> sort of goes on a rant. I think this is like the second Chris Brogan rant we've mentioned. Now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so maybe there's a trend there. He's a ranter. But, <laughs> but I think it's the one about if you just had me on your show because you thought I was going to boost your ratings or something like that. And he, something to that effect, because I guess he had someone reach out to them. Hey, Chris, you were just oh, on. Yeah. Don't, for, yeah, don't forget. Send it to here and send it to here and tweet this and, and link this. And, and he's like, why did you have me on? And because if that was the only reason, then you know, you're going at it all wrong. And, and I yeah. thought it was a great post. And and I think um, Srinivas Rao had a recent post on Medium around that same topic. So I loved everything he put yeah. in that article um, about how he's grown. He just talks to people. And we kind of touched on that right when we first started. Like we both interviewed people on our show that um, we both really like. Like I interviewed uh, Doug Foresta. He hosts the, he has a few different show, a few different podcasts. He hosts the Coach Zing podcast and we interviewed each other. And, and he mentioned to me, he goes, you have a great show, but like, I haven't really heard of most of the people you interview. I'm like, yeah, because I don't care how well known they are. Like I interview people that, that I meet and that have, and sometimes I will seek out experts in a specific topic or a specific field because I want to cover that. But then I find the person that I resonate most with. Like I have really no interest in, in just like interviewing big name guests because, um, also because I see these rants and because I hear the opinions of like, you know, when Jamie says like, I've told my story a million times, like, I don't want to have her on my show if I feel like she's tired of telling her story and she's tired of giving the same tip. I love Jamie. Don't get me wrong, but I don't want to interview people who are tired of being interviewed. Like that would be uncomfortable for me. And there's also really like big name podcasters that are very opinionated about like how things should be done. Like quite frankly, like again, Michael O'Neill, he's a friend of mine, love his show, but he is, <laughs> he does not like going on podcasts where the podcaster does something he thinks is is wrong. I would be incredibly nervous and uncomfortable to have someone on my show when I feel like they're judging me the whole time for my skills. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. So, um, yeah. So, th- I mean, that's that's kind of my thoughts on the, the big name. But I just think a lot of um, a lot of new podcasters think that it's their, you know, their silver bullet to success. It's going to get them high ratings and high, you know, and, and a high downloads right away. And I mean, I'm sure like Harry, as you and I have both seen having a podcast for um, I think you said you don't like how many episodes are you at now? Uh, 45. Yeah, I'm somewhere around the same amount. I mean, more with the, the number of interviews I've done is a lot more like with the podcast producers. But what I've what I've realized is that you like you start getting listener engagement, you see the on the lips in the download stats start to go the trend go up after you've been around for a while, you know, yeah. because turns out you're better. <laughs> <laughs> after like Imagine your that. first couple episodes i was talking to Corey, and I-, I said you know i was browsing new and noteworthy i was kind of curious what shows were coming out and i and um i clicked on a few and i'm like wow these people suck like they're not very good they will be good if they stick with it and they yeah. keep podcasting but they're not good right now <laughs> so why would you want to have your biggest celebrity guests on and you suck <laughs> 
Yeah, you've really got to give it, I mean, I think 50, 100, maybe 100 episodes before you hit your stride and you get comfortable so behind the mic, you get mm-hmm. comfortable talking to people, and you just worked out all the kinks and you know what you want to say and you know how you want to introduce your show. And and people, and like you said, people hear it. They, mm-hmm. under, you know, they understand, oh, this person's sort of growing into their podcasting skin. Yeah. When I think about the number of interviews I've done for both shows, that I'm a part of, it wasn't until probably 40 or 45 interviews that I felt like it clicked. And then I felt like I hit my stride. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and now it's like, I feel like I can just keep getting better. But yeah, it takes a good 40 to 50 episodes, I think, before you really hit your stride and before you really get good. <laughs> so the so now the other side of the uh, the equation, the guests that you speak to, either guests that want to be on other shows or guests that you have to reach out to because they're bigger names. Is there something about your interactions with those people that uh, the listeners would, would be surprised to hear or, or probably should hear? So when are you asking like when we reach out to book them for interviews, like when we yeah. ask them to be on a show? Um I mean, just as far as like reaching out and getting people booked, you, I mean, this is one thing that I, um, when I learned when I went door to door, cause we would, we went door to door fundraising. So we had a goal in mind to get people to make a donation and we would always, the skill we had was called matching energies. So if we were like going door to door in a really like ritzy neighborhood, like really big houses, maybe very conservative, uh, we would approach that person a lot differently um, than if we were in a really working class neighborhood where people were really like poor and disgruntled and and things like that. So I that's kind of the skill that I apply to booking interviews. If I'm approaching somebody like I was um, booking interviews for a, a fitness podcast and he was, you know, looking at some really big names in the in the fitness and bodybuilding space and you can tell like on their website if they say like, if you have a media request, email it to this person. We don't say yes a lot, but you can send the request here. When you know that they're requested a lot, like you've got to, you know, keep it really short, simple to the point and realize that they don't actually need you (laughs) unless you happen to have a really big show um, and they're going to be excited about it. But most likely unless you are somebody that has a very big, big, big podcast um, that they've heard of and that they're going to be excited to hear from you, most likely you have to understand that this is, they're going to look at this either uh, because they, maybe they enjoy doing interviews and they, they are going to be nice and say yes. um, Or, you know, as a favor, (laughs) because being in front of your hundred people is probably not going to make a huge, you know, dent in, in their overall business. Um, not to say that they should say no to you, but you just have to remember like what's in it for them. And, and like, I usually keep my emails to the bigger guests really short because this is like, they know the drill, you know, they don't (laughs) like, you don't need to tell them all about your podcast and how amazing it is. And, and all that, like, Oh, I'm in new and artworthy. It's like, well, (laughs) That's not that exciting. That doesn't carry a lot of weight nowadays. <laughs> that's a, Yeah, that's what I see a lot of people doing. It's like, known as iTunes, new and noteworthy podcast. It's like, guess what? Everyone's been a new and noteworthy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you just have to know who your audience is and talk to them accordingly. Very good point. So uh, this is fantastic. Uh, as, as always, uh, we went past an hour, which is fine. because uh, I, Hey, I the think, best uh, stuff came after probably yeah, 30 minutes it, here. <laughs> it does. 
What are you excited about coming up? Um, you know, for the 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 rest of this year, e- either with your business or just with podcasting in general. So, um, with my business, I mean, I'm really excited about just. I mean, we talked so much about like the team, and um, you know, I've I've scaled back a little bit in terms of how big my team is. So I'm really excited to just like keep perfecting. Uh, the operations of interview connections and just keep improving my services there. Um, and then, you know, with podcasting, I'm really excited to do another season of the podcast producers and yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited to keep, you know, to keep podcasting with roads to success. I had kind of a, a light bulb moment um, a little while back, how, my podcast, you know, people talk a lot about podcasting as a lead generation tool. And I think that it is. But for me, I have noticed it's it's really powerful in uh, retention of current clients. Like I have a lot of clients that listen to my podcast. And I believe that is a big reason they stay with me. Um, so so I'm excited. So what I do is like when I think about guests to bring on and topics to cover, it almost always comes from what my clients are asking about. So I don't really think about like the outside space. I just look at mm. who's paying me money. What do they want to know about? I'll bring that to the podcast. So I'm really excited to just keep um, covering different topics and interviewing different guests there. But I'm excited about the podcast producers because I think Corey and I learned so much from season one. And, you know, we're releasing the interviews now, like the raw and uncut (laughs) version. So we've got... um, I think my count was 28 interviews that we did. And so I'm, there were definitely some where so much was left on the cutting room floor. So I'm really, really excited to, um, to get some of those out there. And it, I mean, that was just a fun series to produce because it really like, well, so many podcasts are either all about the guest or all about the host. I feel like the thing we did right with the podcast producers is we made it all about the medium and allowed everyone to be a journalist and give their opinion. But nobody was nobody in that series, not Corey, not myself, not any guests were were right. It was just we were presenting everyone's opinions, which was fun. So we have to think about what we want to talk about in season two, because we covered such big main topics in season one. We're like, well, where do we take it? Do we do like a whole season on one little aspect, like one little segment of podcasting, or do we do another season of like 10 more topics to cover? So that, that excites me a lot. Yeah, that's cool. And I, I've got a couple of folks I'm going to send your way that uh, I think would make for some fantastic conversations. Yeah. Uh, and the best part is the, the folks who you originally reached out to who said, no, I don't think it's oh, the right yeah. fit. And, the, and now they're knocking on your door. We, yeah, I know exactly two. who Corey was talking about too. It's It was uh, pretty hilarious. But, um, yeah, you know, they didn't know what it was going to be. So yeah. <laughs> no hard feelings. You got to get in on the ground floor for this sometimes and take a chance. Yeah. I mean, some of the things we were talking about is like, you know, I, we, you know, do we go, cause there's like some big names that we are really interested in talking to, but then it's like, well, maybe we just do a season like with people nobody have heard of. So we're thinking about like what types of guests we want to be interviewing. It's, it's, it's all very fun and exciting to, to just let your creative juices flow. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. it is, and, and it was well received. And so I'm sure you'll have fun with the second one. Thanks. Um, so just before I let you go, one last question, uh, something a little different is what is the one thing that is most misunderstood about you? Wow. Uh, most misunderstood about me. Well, I guess I would have to know what people think about me to know what's misunderstood <laughs> about me. 
Um, God, or, it's that's just a... the, or just the case when something, you know, sometimes people have preconceived notions yeah. about you or about be either based on what they've seen, what they've read or what they've heard. And then when they actually meet you, it's something different. Oh my gosh. I like, I honestly don't know. Cause I don't know what people say about me and if it's wrong. <laughs> well, yeah, it doesn't have to be anything recent too. It could be maybe something when you were growing up too. Oh my God. I hate being stumped on a question but I, I really have no idea um i don't know have you ever had a guest okay. that can't answer this question because i have no <laughs> idea what to say <laughs> no that's okay no i mean people ha- people um I mean, what, are, have, what have other people said <laughs> well you know a lot of times it's personality right like mm-hmm. people think i'm super serious and that i don't have like a light side yeah. um, because because they hear my voice and it's like all authoritative and then and then when they hear me and then when they're hanging out you know and usually it's at a conference right you get to see the lighter side of people at conferences yeah and they're like oh wow like uh this person is not as uh, um, obnoxious as, as they sound, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know. Sometimes That's, it could work. Yeah, it, could, guess, it could be the it could be the opposite too. I guess that to an extent is because, especially like if you um, like, I keep it really professional, like in emails. Well, I try to be as very straightforward and direct as emails as possible because whenever you're typing something you know, you just don't like you really can't make jokes or be sarcastic or or like joke around in emails. So I think a lot of like clients and people I've emailed with probably think I'm not as fun as I think I am. And then when I get in person with them, I'm like totally, you know, energetic and bubbly and things like that. Um, like, uh, so that's, I mean, that's probably it. People probably just don't realize that I um, of course, I'm like, everyone knows what I'm like, but I'm or with myself all the time. So, <laughs> what's, But what's fantastic is now that this episode, uh, when it goes live, it's going to, you know, paint you in a whole new bubbly light. And people are like, wow, just because a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, this interview was really fun. I've never done a podcast like this. I mean, we're at almost an hour and a half. We've talked about yeah. everything from tv and like business stuff and then joked around and and laughed about um different podcasts and stuff so this was this is great yeah people should just listen to me and you get all sides of me <laughs> did you you mentioned I, I just had to ask one more thing you, you um you thought about theater for a while did you ever get to perform anything when you were when you were in school well yeah i mean i was in i did plays and musicals all through my childhood so okay. the last i mean the last time i performed was when i was senior in high school i was frenchy in greece that was my Wait, big you said role. Mu- you said musicals. So that means you can sing. I used to be able to sing. <laughs> <laughs> don't even think about asking me to sing now. <laughs> so, see, I don't think many people knew that. So, <laughs> now <laughs> people don't so know it- that I'm a secret. Mu- That's the funny thing. I don't like going to plays anymore. Like I don't okay. enjoy music. But, um, but yeah, no, I used to sing and dance and and act and. And um, you know, I'm a rel- I'm a ham. So, <laughs> so if if you, if you run into Jessica at Podcast Movement, uh, feel free to invite her to your karaoke <laughs> you <run> in- <laughs> your karaoke after party. Uh, even if she says no, she's more than game. If you run into me at Podcast Movement, we have issues because I'm due two weeks after Podcast Movement with my yeah. baby. But future events, you know, next Podcast Movement, Social Media Marketing World, any of those events. Um, Hey, get a couple drinks in me. I'll join you at the karaoke bar. <laughs> now that we know she can sing. So Jessica, thanks. We'll we'll uh we'll bring this one in for a landing. Thank you so much for being super generous with your time. Um and where can folks uh, track you down? 
jessicarodes.biz is my main website. So that's R-H-O-D-E-S, jessicarodes.biz. And that's where I blog. And then there's links to my podcast and my TV show and my business. Um, very easily accessible through that website. So that was a fantastic conversation with Jessica. I say this a lot. They could have gone on for probably another hour. We had a really fun time. And at some point we have to wrap it up. But I think uh, you get a feel for what she's like, what her energy's like, um, why she's so pass- passionate about human connection, which I really resonated with because I'm the same type of uh, the same the same way. And that concept she mentioned about matching energies when she was talking about linking up guests with podcast shows and vice versa, I, I think also resonated with me because I'm really a firm believer in working off people's vibes uh, to get a feel for who they are. I'm a pretty good read um, at that kind of thing. I feel like uh, Jessica's that type of person as well. And it's it speaks to the quality um, and the type of person that I want to continue to bring on this show. I really want you to get a feel for who they are as a person, as a, as a podcaster. Um, the fact that they're a podcaster is what gets them on the show. But the fact that they're an engaging, lively, warm personality with a lot to offer and uh, the audience um, and a lot to contribute in terms of the conversation is why uh, I think they're, they make for a good fit on the show. And I'm going to make it my mission to continue to bring those types of people on here because I think those are the most entertaining and engaging types of conversations. So uh, podcastjunkies.com for everything you need to know about the show and how to support it. And namely a iTunes review, hint, hint is always awesome and that's why I keep on asking for it because it helps the iTunes algorithm, it helps the show, it helps people find the show. Um, The other thing you can do is recommend it to a friend. So um, if someone wants to uh, learn about a new podcast, you might recommend Podcast Junkies to them. So enough about that, enough about me. If you've made it this far, this time we do have a hashtag for you. Shout out to Patrick Keller for calling me out on the last episode because there was no hashtag at the end. It's just a, a little a little game we do with our very, very, very loyal listeners who've listened all the way to the end of the podcast to this week. The hashtag is matching energies. Uh, matching energies, the hashtag. Um, and that way, uh, Jessica and I will both know that you're the super duper dedicated Podcast Junkies fan. Have a fantastic week, guys. Talk to you later.